This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Life in our modern age comes at you pretty fast, which makes our time away especially valuable. When I take time to relax, I like to get far from my everyday life, immerse myself in natural beauty, and have unique experiences. But you don't have to leave the U.S. to experience tropical rainforests and islands filled with adventure, warm culture, and national treasures. Visit Puerto Rico, an island with a vibrant spirit that will sweep you away. Because when you visit, you don't become part of the island, it becomes part of you. In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. Puerto Rico, where visits end, but stories last forever. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. Big screen. I want to be remembered for just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Hello, and welcome to Food Stuff. I'm Annie Reese. And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And today, we're talking about tea time. Yes. It's tea time time. It's a, a time for tea. And this means it's also time, at last, for us to discuss something that I have a food intolerance to. Oh, no. At least I think I do. I mean, I've never, like, officially gotten any, yes, you are intolerance to this sort of box checked. Sure. Well, if it just makes your guts all rumbly, usually when you go to a doctor and say, eating this makes my guts all rumbly, they'll just go, stop eating that. <laughs> Don't. And I'm like, no. And they're like, get out. <laughs> if you won't take my advice. That's pretty much how a lot of my doctor's appointments go. Um, it makes me really, like, itchy and nauseated, and I feel like I can't get enough water. Oh. Ugh. And the same thing happens to me with mint. And I looked it up online, and it sounds like it, one, I'm probably brewing my tea incorrectly, or... Um, <laughs> It's just it's a certain type of tannin that's present in both of those, I think, huh. that possibly I'm sensitive to. Sure. I don't know. I still drink it. And then like an hour later, I'm like, why? Because oh. <laughs> I do really like it. And I'm not the only one. After water, tea is the most consumed liquid in the world. Wow. Yeah. But today we are focusing on tea time. We will come back for the whole tea episode. Oh, yes, absolutely. That's It's going to be a lot. I'm really excited about it. I'm excited about not doing it today. 
Yes, because we have a we are bringing in a friend of ours that some of you may have seen on a video that we did about apple pie. Ancient apple pie. Oh, not ancient apple pie. Just really old apple pie. Old timey pie. Uh-huh. Um, and she is our good friend Julia, and she's really rad. Um, and she is writing the book on Tea Time. Yes. So she seems like the right person to go to. Yeah, so she joined us in the studio, and we are going to get right into it. So, uh, so yeah, take it away, past Lauren and Annie. So our guest here today is Dr. Julia Skinner, who is a food historian and artist and all-around all rad human person, who's also the founder and director of Root, uh, Root being a project that explores explores the, the connections between communities and food, sort of past, present, and future through recipes and hands-on education and discussion. Um, she's also working on a book about afternoon tea. So hi, Julia. Hi. Welcome. Thank you. Uh, yeah. Thank you for being here. Yeah. Uh, would you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah. So um, I am... I've had a very broad uh, training, so I've you know my doctorate's in library science, but I do not work in a library anymore. <laughs> uh, but I did until somewhat recently, and then I left to uh, to start this uh, food history organization that you said does a lot with uh, with community and with uh, com- building that community um, using food. I I also do a lot of research. I do so the afternoon tea book developed out of. Uh, some research relationships I already had, and it just kind of popped up, and I was suddenly writing about afternoon tea. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I've done other projects, uh, 17th century English food, for example. Um, I'm right now researching Appalachian food history for a event I'm doing with the Patchworks Museum, uh, which is here in town. So, yeah, I, and I do other, other random things. I garden, and I make art, and I travel all over the place, and very, very random hodgepodge existence, but I enjoy it. Yeah, yeah, no, all of that, all of that is incredibly exciting. Okay, you sort of said that it just sort of happened, but I, I don't entirely believe that you were just suddenly <laughs> one day like, 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 oh, well, I guess, I guess this thing that I'm typing is now a <laughs> whole book on afternoon tea. How, how did you get onto the subject of afternoon tea? So, um, one of my colleagues, Ken Albala, um, he. He's been a, a mentor and friend of mine for years, and he is editing a series on uh, various food history topics, and he approached some folks and was like, I need, I have all these other meals that I want to cover, and I don't have anybody to write about them. And he was like, afternoon tea, for example. And I was like, oh, I'll, I'll do that one, I guess. <laughs> and, so, <laughs> and so then realized I knew nothing about afternoon tea, right? And so I just was like... Oh, well, I've agreed to write this book, and I've got, let's see, what, what was it, two and a half years or something to figure out how to, yeah. And I was like, cool, that's plenty of time. And then, <laughs> you know, also was working full time and everything. So it's not like I could sit and just write about it, you know, for extended periods. So we got about a year out from the deadline, and I realized I'd written like 30 pages. Oh. <laughs> I was like, oh, God. <laughs> and, so, and so the last year was a lot of very hectic writing and researching, but it got done on the deadline day. Oh, heck, nice. <laughs> oh, man. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank <Yeah>. you. <laughs> we are going to have a whole episode on the like history and science of tea itself, but but in, in brief, what do people need to know about tea in order to start understanding afternoon tea? 
I would say what what I find most interesting about tea, the product, and afternoon tea, the meal, is that the meal relies on this, you know, imported product that's, you know, it's this very British thing, but the kind of the center point of it is not British at all. Um, it didn't show up in England until the 1600s. So, oh, wow. Um, so you've got that connection between um, between a, an imported product and a... Uh, English identity, um, tea itself. I ended up not learning a ton about all the different varieties and all of those things. I was surprised at the um, the tea making process. Uh, so you know the leaves are fermented and you have all that stuff that happens, right? Right. So, yeah. Um, all of that I found interesting because I think I just always thought that you just like picked them off the plant and dried them and then you had tea. No, as as with many products, it's uh, <laughs> it's a, a surprisingly um, to, to 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 me to my like ignorant self. It's always a surprisingly complex process that always has to do with bacteria poop, and yeah. I'm like, yes, yeah, <laughs> yes. It's always my favorite discovery. Mm-hmm. Yes, um, and speaking of kind of. Uh, complicated, more complicated <laughs> answers than you perhaps would expect. We have a tradition on this show starting every topic with the basic question that bears a very complicated answer, which we spend the rest of the episode unpacking, and that is, what is it? <laughs> so, afternoon tea. What, what is it? it? <laughs> so, afternoon tea is a, um, a meal that... You know, we all when we think of afternoon tea, we think of all the little uh, tea trays and all the little you know, fancy pedophores and all that kind of stuff. And dainty but little cups, dainty and little cups, and having your fingers out. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, except for you don't actually want to do that. Oh, apparently. Oh, okay. <laughs> pinkies back in. Yes, bring your bring <laughs> pinkies your pinkies retracted. back in. Yes. <laughs> um, but it's got this incredibly complex history, and um, you know where. How we refer to it depends, you know, where we are geographically, um, what Americans think it is versus what it tends to mean for a British person having a daily snack meal is pretty different. There's a lot going on there. The American version is more based on the original kind of version, um, the fancy, you know, version that the nobility had as uh-huh. opposed to just kind of everyday people food. And and the fancy version isn't actually Called okay, so so there's different types of tea time. There's mm-hmm. afternoon tea. There's high tea. There's low tea. I think tea time is another term that's actually used mm-hmm. for kind of a different thing. Um, and yeah. you would think that from the term high tea, that would mean the fancy one. Nope. But that's not what it means. <laughs> low tea is the fancy one. <laughs> Initially, low tea was uh, named that. From what I've researched, it because people sat in, like, low chairs and, did, you know, sat at their low table in their fancy dresses, which for some reason that was a thing. Um, <laughs> sure, uh, as you do. Why not? Uh-huh. And um, so that was, you know, low tea referred to kind of the table setting, and that was that was huh. where you got that. And high tea was had at a, um, you know, a dinner table, so higher up, you know, kind of what we would think of as a normal sitting space. Um and referred to dinner uh, by the working class um, once we got a little later in the century. So, you know, closer to the 1900s. The, yeah, an afternoon tea just kind of refers to all of the afternoon snack meal, um, both the low tea version and just kind of like here's a more casual snack meal. Um, yeah, and tea time refers to dinner when you're up in the northern counties. So. Oh, <laughs> wow, Perfect. it all makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> yep. 
clear as day. <laughs> and there's probably like all these other variations on all of that too that just, you know, my research didn't even uncover all the nuance of because I've you know, looked at it for several years, but I feel like I only scratched the surface. Like writing a 250-page book <laughs> turns out was not even enough. Oh. So. <laughs> we can relate to that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We have more to say about tea time, but first we're going to take a quick break for a word from our sponsor. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Hi, I'm Cindy Crawford, and I'm the founder of Meaningful Beauty. When Dr. Sabah and I decided to do a skincare line together, he said to me, we are going to give women meaningful beauty. And I said, that's exactly right. We want to give women meaningful beauty, which means each and every product is meaningful. It has a, a reason to exist. It's efficacious. You're going to get results. And then you just go out and live your life. Meaningful beauty. Confidence is beautiful. Learn more at MeaningfulBeauty.com. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. And let's get right back to our discussion on tea time. Uh, how did how did this whole tradition begin? Um, so there's there's some debate about it. Um, the standard tends to be that uh, the Duchess of Bedford uh, in the 1840s, you know, got hungry and had a snack brought up to her room and then all of, you know, started bringing all of her friends. And because she was very popular in the English court, then she became, uh, you know, she was an influencer of whatever ilk. And so uh-huh. she then influenced everybody else to want to do this. And then, you know, it kind of spread through English society from there. And that's mostly true. Um, there's some folks that have argued that that's uh, overly simplistic, which, I mean, it kind of is. But <laughs> um, but it actually is pretty close to the truth from what I found. So um, there was one food blogger whose name I can't remember. I would have to look it up. But they um, they referred to that as the Bedford, uh, Bedford Orthodoxy that you... <laughs> 
<laughs> like if you somehow went against this perception of how afternoon tea happened and you know started and all of that, um, that you were, you know, blaspheming the history oh, of yes. this meal. Um, <laughs> Whoa! Yeah, it's intense. People get really intense about this stuff. Oh it's, uh, yes, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a lot. Um, <laughs> um, but this particular um, blogger, you know, referred to it as that, and then somebody else came back and they're like, "Okay, you're right. Like we all do tend to focus on this one thing." But it is actually pretty close to true, and um, you know all the other things you're bringing in as data points are not, you know, don't negate this person's influence. So basically, the f- kind of the full picture of what I've seen is like, of course, this isn't the first person who's ever had, had a snack. Yeah, had a snack <laughs> in the afternoon. Sure, like that that happened before 1840. It turns out. <laughs> yeah, it was like okay, she's not the person that started that as a you know as a thing, but she is the person that popularized it as an actual meal with its own codified um, traditions and everything. So, um, yeah, so she was basically the person that did that. What are uh, what are some of those those codified like like etiquette related things do you, do you have any do, do you have any favorite weird ones <laughs> can One you explain of, the whole process i mean I, I that might be too big of a question <laughs> and it it so it depends like when you're when you're just like having afternoon tea with your family or friends in your home it's much more relaxed and whatever if you're if you're out for fancy tea um it's a little more um more structured so for example if you stir your tea you want to be sure to stir it um circularly and not like back and forth so you don't hit the sides of the cup with your spoon because that makes noise and that's apparently bad. Uh, (laughs) Mm -hmm, Sure. Like I'm not fancy enough to do actual tea. Like I've tried it a couple times and I'm just like I'm failing. I'm sorry guys. Like I'm too much of a trash person for this. (laughs) So um, yeah and like the pinkies out thing you're not supposed to do um that apparently is considered tacky and something that like yeah that I think we for some reason culturally assume looks fancy and I'm not sure why but it tends to be associated with people who have not actually ever done tea time me kind of thing oh before, okay so. so like so like oh look at that plebe trying to pretend that they're right. good like we are yeah 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 um but See, I have no I idea find it useful <laughs> I feel like it helps you balance yeah <laughs> I do it like like with Coke. Oh or, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't drink Coke. What am I talking about? With canned drinks, <laughs> <laughs> my pinky just naturally comes out. Yeah, I always when I was a kid, I did that. Like my my dad called me Pris when I was a kid because my <laughs> pinkies would stick out when I would you know drink like out of a bottle or a sippy uh-huh. cup or anything. <laughs> that's, been, that's adorable. <laughs> as an adult, so now I'm like hyper aware of it. I'm like, no. <laughs> Must keep fin- fingers clenched at all times. Yes, yes. Um, were, were there were there any other little bits and bobs of etiquette that you wanted to talk about? That's the one that most comes to mind. There's all sorts of other other kind of little things, but for some reason, the teacup, like stirring the teacup properly, really stuck with me because it's yeah. something I just have never thought of. And then when I'm reading it, and I'm like, oh, you like you have to think about really literally every movement. Um. If you want to do this, you know, properly, like if I'm having, you know, tea with the queen, which is never going to happen. But if it did, I would have to think (laughs) about how I'm stirring my tea. (laughs) Yeah, that doesn't sound like a relaxing time at all. No, 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 I wouldn't think so. How did this how did this very English, very upper class concept um, spread uh, throughout the world? Well, 
So um, 1840s was when this started becoming popular. And so that's, if you look at uh, broader English history, that's when, um, so English had been a colonial power for some time, but colonialism was really getting um, much more extra. I'm, I'm, there was a lot more of it happening. Yes, yes, it was. It was gearing up. It was gearing up. There, there we go. go. <laughs> it's, that makes more sense. Um, no, I think that much more extra is also an appropriate <laughs> descriptor. They were True. pretty. They were pretty heckin' extra. They were. They really were. Um, yeah, and so as this became popular, there you know there was. Um, it started out as an upper class tradition. Um, started. Um, kind of moving through the upper class and then, you know, as you see with some other food traditions, people who were uh, middle class or upper middle class who were trying to emulate people that were wealthier would start to do the, you know, pick up various cultural traditions that they felt would go with, um, went with that uh, that status. And then it just kind of moved through English society from there and became pretty entrenched pretty quickly. I mean, by the time we're at 1900, it's uh, it's a pretty established thing. And mm-hmm. so the English, uh, English colonial power is still growing at this time. And so more and more English people are going around the world colonizing things and or settling in colonies, bringing with them these traditions. And so that's how it spread. And how, how has all of that changed from the 18 and 1900s to today like like uh is there anything shockingly new in the afternoon tea scene there's a lot more variety in afternoon teas so there's a lot of like fusion afternoon teas in england now so there's ones that either bring um components from different cultures which i find fascinating because they're like ones that have components from all of these different cultures that have been colonized by england and then their foods are being brought to like a fancy 30 or 40 dollar a person meal in England, it's huh. it's this weird interplay that makes me feel a lot of feelings. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's a lot more variety in England, but there's still, you know, the very staunch traditional kind of uh, tea as well. And then there's around the world. I was amazed by the consistency of afternoon tea um, in different colonies. So even in India where you see local, you know, fried snacks and things as an accompaniment. You also still see, like, finger sandwiches and stuff that are decidedly not Indian foods. Right. um, That are still holdovers um, just because they're so closely associated with that meal. Huh. Have you had the opportunity to experience any of these uh, uh, modern tea times? I, so I was in England in high school for a couple weeks, and Uh I had, uh, you know, tried it a couple times then. I've tried... A handful of them here in the States, including at Dr. Bombay's, which is very nice. Um, And, you know, much more in line with my, like, I want a relaxed experience of a pot of tea and then just, like, give me a lot of small food, please. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, it's very chill there. Yeah. Um, I've had, as an adult, the fancy uh, fancy tea a couple times, you know, gone in and, you know, gone to, it's usually the hotel restaurants that seem to do that the most. Sure, um, yeah. And so I've tried that a couple times. I don't really like it as much as a smaller <laughs> cafe, but yeah, I know a lot of people do because, like, every fancy hotel has that. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I always wonder how many people really show up for those things and whether they're Again, yeah, like kind of these this this middle class people kind of presuming to this to this upper class level. Yeah. And I mean and or whether if people from Europe come over here, they just expect it at 
fancy places. I don't know. Yeah, well, and I think, you know, when Americans go over to England, too, I think we expect, like, you know, that's that's kind of what fancy in England is denoted as in right. our minds. And, right, You know, so there, you don't see, like, here how we have hotel high tea. You don't see it called high tea over there because, again, the the many, uh, many strong opinions about, you know, naming and regional <laughs> variations and everything, and so... Yeah, and here we just kind of call it whatever, and people are like, oh, it's fancy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that kind of reminds me of our tipping episode where the U.S. didn't tip until rich people went over to Europe, and they Mm -hmm. kind of tipped, and then they were like, oh, let's Uh, be, let's show how rich we are and start tipping, and then Europe got rid of it, and we went completely in the opposite direction. Yeah. Um, So I wonder if it's a thing of people visiting Europe and wanting to come back and... yeah re-experience what they think is quite fancy. Well, and it's interesting here because in the U.S., um, so we were no longer a colony by the time that afternoon tea developed as a meal. I mean, we mm-hmm. hadn't been for, you know, over 100 years or 100 years or whatever um, mm-hmm. by the time it really got popular. Um, so it wasn't until the 20th century, like the 1920s, that people were like, ooh, afternoon tea, that's fancy. <laughs> <laughs> and then it kind of, um, here and in England, almost faded out completely in the 90s, um, like 80s and 90s. There was this huh. um, this whole thing where afternoon tea almost disappeared. But then it didn't. <laughs> and, oh. and now it's back with greater popularity, both oh, here goodness. and in England. Really? <laughs> yeah. It has is there a historical source for, for I mean, is there like a theory of why that happened? Um, I think it was just that people it, so afternoon tea developed because we had such a long break between um lunch and dinner, right? Um and so I think it developed because people were kind of having more grab-and-go foods and would, you know, go to a coffee house and whatever, and afternoon tea where you'd get, like, you know, a crappy, like, tea bag and whatever. Like, they, they uh-huh. kind of stopped putting a lot of work into it. Oh. And so then afternoon tea just became, like, here's, like, some sh- tea and, like, a scone. And so, like, nobody really wanted that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and then it kind of got more popular. People started, you know, being like, oh, we can bring in... These other teas, herbal teas, for example, in addition to just regular black tea. Yeah. Um, more variety of stuff to go with it. Yeah. And then it started picking back up. So. Yeah. I guess probably also, yeah, in, in conjunction with the, the the spread of those like like premium tea stores in the United States. Yeah. Yeah. I love how the 80s was just the death of a lot of amazing <laughs> culture. That's... We, we, <laughs> uh, we, we talk yeah. more or less continually about... Um, Every time we talk about a uh, a alcoholic beverage, Mm -hmm. it went through a dark time in the 80s when it just didn't happen and it almost died out. What was it about, like, beverages in the 80s? Like, why? (laughs) Why? (laughs) Just all of them. It was, like, kind of cheap and flashy to, like, not use the the natural ingredients anymore. You would use, like, prepackaged sugary stuff and just show off like hey <laughs> hey look how modern look, i am look how so modern, modern look how bright yeah. this drink is yeah it's sort of like the mid-century thing yeah. where all of a sudden it was just like why use real food when you can use jello yeah sorry for everything jello. yeah <laughs> for everything it is like that because aspects were a way to be like both cheap and to show off yeah, yeah. fancy jello yeah <laughs> 
we've really hit something on the head here. Yep. Not sure what. So. <laughs> not, so, not sure <laughs> what. We've, we've really hit the jello on the head. Yes. Um, <laughs> uh, what would, if, if, you, if you could have your own ultimate afternoon tea, what would it be? What would it consist of? Hmm. I I think for me, more than the stuff on the table, what I love about afternoon tea is that it was developed, you know, it started as like this person having a snack, but then it quickly developed that she was bringing her friends with her. And so it pretty much from the get-go was a very community-oriented um, gathering. So it was, it was very casual, hangout, chat. Um, so for me, it would be more about having people around me that I wanted to, you know, be comfortable with and be around, um, you know, and probably somebody who knows more about actual varieties of tea selecting the tea for me. Um, <laughs> I don't know a ton about that. So, um, yeah. And I mean, I'll be honest, I know that they're, you know, kind of cheesy, but I do like tiny finger sandwiches and I will, I will eat a lot of them in one sitting. I've oh, surprised yeah. myself when I was writing this book how many I could eat. <laughs> I think it was at like 20 or 25. Heck yeah. yeah. <laughs> They're very small. They, they are. are. Yeah. They go away in like one bite. They yeah. do. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. I've always found it interesting, and I kind of touched on this. Well, I can't remember what episode it was forever ago, but that tea time was a pretty much – female thing Mm -hmm. and it was kind of a male sanctioned go hang out and gossip ladies sort of time and tea was feminized for a while as like this is a drink for ladies and Mm -hmm. women weren't even allowed in like a lot of coffee shops Mm -hmm. um why why do you think that that was i mean i think just you know because it was a gathering of women i think it was like oh we don't have to take that seriously because it's just you know women having their little chats and so you know, whatever stuff is associated with that then, like you said, is less uh, becomes less important by association. Even though, you know, afternoon tea gatherings and things are just general tea gatherings, even if they weren't, you know, specifically the meal, were still a space where a lot of, like, women's suffrage conversations were happening and all this stuff. So it wasn't like people were just getting together and being like, oh, hey, nice shoes for an hour. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> it, it turns out we sometimes actually have um, other meaningful conversations um, when each other in, in each other's presence. Weird, um, yeah, I know, crazy, <laughs> shocking. Yeah, <laughs> perhaps that's the surprise of the episode. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so many surprises. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, but it's interesting because then later on, afternoon tea, um, as men started working more in offices and things, um, so with the industrial revolution and all of that, and where. Um, where people started doing more work away from home and going home during the day to say eat lunch or something mm-hmm. wasn't as uh, as likely to happen. Um, people at least that were you know say middle management or something like you know that had some access to resources would often have um, afternoon tea and so it became also a male space eventually in in addition to a female one. But the male space was more like it's a men's break from work. Where yeah, and it it's so it was reframed as like a break from your long work day as opposed to a you know just a cute little gathering with your girlfriends, yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> like a social and hunger issue mm-hmm. like like yeah, yeah, hmm. again, take it more seriously, seen more mm-hmm. importantly than like the silly thing that the ladies are doing, yeah, even though it was. Almost exactly the same thing. It was like, <laughs> right. you know, these clubs that men would go to that would have 
small foods and tea, and they would sit there together, you know, in, you know, mm-hmm. whatever room, the parlor or salon or whatever the hell you call it, um, <laughs> and sit there and, you know, chat. And so literally the same thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but dudes, though. Yeah. But dudes, though. But dudes, though. Yeah. Right. Do you know why women were excluded from from coffee drinking oh at the time? <laughs> oh no, Annie, like Annie, Annie does. Because <laughs> <laughs> the men, they'd be talking about them ladies using profanities and smoking. They didn't want no ladies up in there. <laughs> it was seen as very risque. It was a, a like a certain type of woman that you did not want to be would go into those oh. houses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think it's also where they did a lot of talking about politics and stuff, which, you know, I guess we also weren't supposed to be participating in. Sure, um, sure. Clearly yeah, not. Too much. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, for a while, wasn't it the case that women couldn't even, like, go in and buy tea in a shop? Like, they had yeah. to send somebody in mm-hmm. and, like, and then just, like, stand outside. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. Um Several coffee houses. I know, like, I'm pretty sure um, Twining started out as a coffee house, mm-hmm. and women weren't allowed weren't allowed in. But then they kind of made a pretty calculated switch mm-hmm. as like men were coming into the tea game to switch mm-hmm. over to tea. Yeah, but coffee houses were seen as the men's only, and that's. I always kind of thought maybe that was another reason that tea was such a big thing for women. Um, I don't know. It's interesting yeah. how it got so kind of gendered. But I suppose we do that with most things. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's accurate. Did you read any about Argentine, like, tango tea times? Argentine tango tea times. Yes. I don't think so. What? What is it? Um, <laughs> that doesn't sound familiar, but it sounds fascinating. Uh, so I read um, in the 1900s, these tea dances became a thing called tango teas, um, and they were inspired by Argentine tango, and it's sort of, again, one of those interesting things of colonization and mm-hmm. kind of this mishmash of cultures. Um, and people would, like, dance a tango and have some tea. And have some tea. <laughs> sounds messy. No. It does, right? <laughs> maybe that's where the pinkies. Yeah, maybe, yeah. Pinkies can help you out. I don't know. I don't know if anything can help you out in that situation. No, no, no. <laughs> sippy cup, maybe. Sippy, but, <laughs> sippy cup tea time. That's what we need. That, <laughs> that's the future right mm-hmm, there. Mm-hmm. Um, are, are there any other around the world kind of traditions that you that you know of off the top of your head that you find super interesting? I mean, most of them. That one makes me think of another thing that was uh, that happened. I think it was like 20s or 30s maybe where people would have it wasn't called a tango tea time but it was called just like a tea dance or something like that and it was basically a money and labor saving effort to still have large gatherings so you would basically set up a sideboard with a bunch of tea and a bunch of snacks so it would be like afternoon tea but it was also like hundreds of people hanging out in your giant house and just going and helping themselves to the things and so it was much lower impact than like having a banquet or uh, whatever. Oh, okay, um, sure. 
Yeah, like a it, like a cocktail hour almost, but with yeah, tea instead with of tea. yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And so that was you know, and they would have it around the same time as the meal and whatever. But it seems like it only lasted for I don't know maybe a couple decades, and then people kind of were over it. Um, huh. <laughs> but otherwise, they I mean, really, the structure of the meal is being you know a little snacky thing and a um, you know beverage. And the big critical thing about it with all of the people that I talked to um, from around the world when I was doing this book is that it's a space where you have to, like, pause and take a break. Like, it's not like a meal that you can have that you're, like, you know, also checking your email and, like, eating your scone. Like, no, you, like, you're you there with that food and that drink. Like, you have to show up and just be there with it for a minute and with whatever people you're with. So, and that seems pretty um, pretty consistent everywhere. Huh. Yeah. I the first time I did a tea time in England. Yeah. I was young and I didn't know what to do. <laughs> like I didn't know what was happening. And it was so I could tell it was so important. <laughs> and people were taking like they just had such specific things they were doing. So I went up, I had my cup of tea and I was looking at everybody and I like poured some milk in and some people were like and some people were like <laughs> nodding. I'm making faces no one can see. Some people were totally on board and some people were giving me very judgy faces. And then I was like, okay. And I put lemon in there and some people are like, <laughs> <laughs> like actual sounds. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, what's happening? I'm doing everything wrong. I put like a little bit of everything in the teacup. And then it was not the best tea at all because clearly you shouldn't no, probably yeah. shouldn't put everything in there. But I, I sipped it slowly, and I was trying to act like it was good. Like yeah. That was what I wanted, right? And I knew it, but I'm sure they were all horrified. Yeah, <laughs> they were on to you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure they were very on to me. I was not fooling anybody. <laughs> but it was nice. I liked that. Um, I, I liked the sort of sitting around and talking to people and having mm-hmm. that that moment. Yeah, slowly sipping the tea. Yeah, it's nice. Uh, yeah, and I, I'm wondering now, especially given the time period when this kind of came about, if it was related to the the like temperance and uh, prohibition type movements that were happening around the world at the time. Like, like get rid of that alcohol, drink this, <laughs> drink this tea. Yeah, um, the meal kind of came about a little bit before that, but um, I think. You know, tea drinking, like you said, definitely increased um, during temperance because um, everybody was wanting an alternative to alcohol. The meal doesn't seem like it, from what I researched, um, and so I'd be interested if you guys found something um, in addition to this, but it seems like the meal itself was already pretty popularized by that point. So the meal didn't get really more popular, but other gatherings around tea. So like instead of having an afternoon tea, having like some other social hour or, you know, more tea in the home or whatever, um, that that became more popular then. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I haven't found a ton about the relationship between the two. I haven't seen anything about it, but it just like something in my brain went like, "Ping!" Wait a minute, <laughs> it really did change a lot. Prohibition really, really changed a lot of things. Yeah. Now you can get cocktails with tea in them. <laughs> what a world! What a world we live in. <laughs> Cocktail that, tea hour. Does that count as tea time? <laughs> it does. It for doesn't me. mean much. Yeah, <laughs> Is there um is there anything else that you wanted to talk about? Anything that we should have asked you? 
Mm. Any fun, weird facts? Fun, weird facts. <laughs> I mean, there's so many, but of course, because there are so many, they're all just like flying around in my brain. And I'm like, ah, ah, there's so much. <laughs> um, it's, yeah, I just, I think, I feel like we've covered kind of a lot of the big stuff about it. You know, it's, I just find it such a fascinating meal. Like I was expecting to write this book and have it be pretty much like, here's a lot of stuff about etiquette and all of this stuff. I ended up barely talking about etiquette because the, you know, tea is a part of English identity and yeah, also as a part of English colonialism just caught my interest so much that that's, that's most of what I ended up writing about. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Probably more interesting than etiquette. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> probably. Yeah. Yeah. Colonialism and there's a, certainly a lot to unpack there. Yes. There definitely. Is. Yeah. yeah. I um... did not even get close to doing it in the book. I mean, I did some, but not as much as I uh, I thought I would have. There was a lot there. Um, did the English tradition of tea time ever make it back over to the specific places where they were importing their tea from in the first place? Um, so not really. Like in the 20th century, there's some, you know, Chinese hotels and things that'll have it. Um, but uh, most of the tea that was coming to England at this time um, was Chinese and yeah, since, uh, you know, China wasn't really, you know, there were little chunks kind of on the edge that were part of the uh, the colonies, but China itself, you know, was its own thing. So not really until recently. And they already had their own tea time type traditions. Yeah, they've got they've got all their own stuff going on that I don't even know hardly anything about, but I know exists. Yeah, also a thing that I'd love to go sit awkwardly at yes. and do yes. the wrong things. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> There's some in Japan that last like three to four hours. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, um, to get uh, to whet your interest for our like tea tea episode, um, the fact that Britain was so obsessed with tea in part led to the opium wars with China, mm-hmm. and is what made them go and one invent clipper ships and two go start planting tea in India mm-hmm. so that they wouldn't have to depend on China oh, anymore. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And once they did that, there's and there's also just stuff about labor practices in India that, you know, go on with that. Um, obviously not you know, great, happy things about labor practices there. Um, but, you know, very poor wages and things like that. But, yeah, it's an afternoon tea is still in India. Um, never, never in China, but definitely in India. Yeah. And, yeah. The clipper ships. They had a. They did clipper ship races. I know. For a long time. It was crazy. <laughs> they had, like time. Who could get back with the most tea the oh, fastest? Yeah. Oh yeah. man! Did, did you win a prize? I think you just were like famous or bragging something. Right. Like, yeah, like bragging ups. rights. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hmm. I mean, fair enough. That sounds terrifying. So. Yeah. Yeah. But I guess people watched it with a lot of interest, which. I would, too, if we still had clipper ship races. Yeah. It was funny when I first ran across that term. I'd heard it before, but I wasn't entirely sure what it is. Mm -hmm. And I kind of dismissed it. Um, And then it kept coming up. So it must have been a really big deal. (laughs) And then I started looking into it. I'm very glad I did because it was fascinating and kind of silly. Yeah. (sighs) Yeah. That's a lot of history for you, though. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much for being here, Julia. This has been great. Yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. Um, uh, if people want to hear more from you, where where can they find you? 
you can follow my business on um, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Uh, that's at Root Kitchens, R-O-O-T, Kitchens. Um, my website is uh, root-kitchens.com. The um, Root Kitchens was taken, so there's a hyphen. <laughs> and then my email is julia at root-kitchens.com. So. Awesome. All of these ways. <laughs> Yay. Yay. Yes. Well, thank you so much. Yeah. We still have a little bit more for you listeners, but first, one more quick break for a word from our sponsor. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Hi, I'm Cindy Crawford, and I'm the founder of Meaningful Beauty. Well, I don't know about you, but, like, I never liked being told, oh, wow, you look so good for your age. Like, why even bother saying that? Why don't you just say you look great at any age, every age? That's what Meaningful Beauty is all about. We create products that make you feel confident in your skin at the age you are now. Meaningful Beauty. Beautiful skin at every age. Learn more at MeaningfulBeauty.com. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. Yes, and thank you to Julia for joining us. Um, and it, this brings us to... Listener mail. Pinky's out for that one. Pinky's out. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Makes for great audio. (laughs) It does. It does. (laughs) Sam wrote, so just listen to the Cotton Candy episode. I hate it just as much as you do, believe me. But whenever I see this thing in stores, it just gives me shivers because it is oddly weird, but oddly satisfying seeing this as a Canadian, though, because it also touches on another episode. And yes, you guessed it. Maple syrup flavored cotton candy. Huh. I have tried it in the past, and it's not the greatest thing I've ever consumed in my daily life. <laughs> Those reviews, they're my favorite types of reviews. I love, like, <laughs> low-key, like... Like, it was sort of meh. Yeah, <laughs> it was sort of meh. I remember Maurice Sendak wrote a review of Stephen Colbert's 
Rich children's book. And it was, um, <laughs> I didn't hate it. <laughs> I love that. Oh, Maurice. Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, Pedro wrote in on Facebook, I was just listening to your podcast on basil, and since I'm from Portugal, I felt I had to write in. It's true that there is an ancient tradition of offering basil in a clay vase to your loved one. The matter, however, is a bit more complicated. You only do it in June, especially on the day of the patron saint of the city where you live or around that time. The most popular patron saints are St. Anthony in Lisbon and St. John the Baptist in Oporto. Uh, How about an episode on port wine, by the way? Also, the kind of basil that one offers is not the same one used in the kitchen, Occamum basilicum, but a different variety, Occamum minimum, with much smaller leaves, but just as fragrant. We call it menjerico. Further tradition demands that you should have a paper carnation in the vase and four verses dedicated to your loved one. You should also never smell the basil directly with your nose, but rather use your hand to do it. And he uh, included a photo of a stand where, um, where just a whole bunch of these of these little pots, little earthenware pots of basil were being sold oh. with these bright and colorful uh, paper carnations stuck into each pot. <laughs> little verses of poetry. Yeah. Oh, I love it. It was it was lovely. And thank you so much, Pedro, for, for writing in. Yeah, it's been great hearing. I love it when we can get like a real confirmation. Yeah. Not from the, the internet or book world, but from people <laughs> that are actually existing sending us sending us stories and pictures. Oh, it's the best. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, so please keep those coming. Our email is foodstuff at howstuffworks.com. We're also on social media. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at foodstuffhsw, also on Instagram at foodstuff. We hope so much to hear from you. Thank you, as always, to our super producer, Dylan Fagan. He does great work. He does. Thanks to you for listening, and we hope that lots more good things are coming your way. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Life in our modern age comes at you pretty fast, which makes our time away especially valuable. When I take time to relax, I like to get far from my everyday life, immerse myself in natural beauty, and have unique experiences. But you don't have to leave the U.S. to experience tropical rainforests and islands filled with adventure, warm culture, and national treasures. Visit Puerto Rico, an island with a vibrant spirit that will sweep you away. Because when you visit, you don't become part of the island, it becomes part of you. In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. Puerto Rico, where visits end, but stories last forever. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. 
This is Raquel Willis from Queer Chronicles. Right now, there are close to 500 anti-LGBTQ plus bills in state legislatures across the country. Lambda Legal is leading the charge against these hateful bills that target mostly trans and non-binary people. You can fight discrimination and help write the next chapter of Lambda Legal history. To learn more about their open cases and to donate, visit lambdalegal.org. That's lambdalegal.org.